0: The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. <laughs> You were in that medlife life Saturday night, Sunday night, back to back, belly to belly on the uh, what I call the Liberace of our lifetime, the Elton John Fairway to- Farewell Tour here in the New York City area. And the 75 year old performer, he had his platform shoes, he had his weird glasses, multicolored sequined outfits. He was playing that piano like, wow, great balls of fire. Jerry Lee Lewis. No, that was a pedophile on a pedestal. Anyway, the guy, apparently, everybody there was filled to the rafters. Absolutely outstanding. These final two concerts in the uh, New York City area. Back to back, belly to belly. I I know, look, look. Uh, My wife, Nancy, always uh, always loved Queen and Mercury. Um. I actually preferred Elton John. I wore the platform shoes. I had bell-bottom uh, pants, and yeah, I had polyester, waffle-weave, flame-retarded pants in the disco era. But the Depends Tour ends for Elton John, but continues for Paul McCartney at 80, Ringo Starr at 82, Roger Daltrey of The Who at about 80, and he goes on and on and on. And they were calling this... Um, what is that, the uh, yellow, uh, yellow Brick Road tour? Uh, I think that's like what, right out of the Wizard of Oz. But anyway, it was a weekend filled with entertainment, peaceful and quiet as it was in Medlife for the exit for all time of Elton John in this area. Although you never know, right? If they build any of those new casinos that they're planning on in the five boroughs, we're going to get to that momentarily. You know, the casinos have the kind of money, indoor arenas, that can attract almost anybody out of retirement. But I noticed in the two performances of Elton John and his backup players and band, he did not make or allude to uh, any um, PSAs about the spread of monkeypox. Now, 16,000 cases in over 70 countries around the world. The WHO, not of Roger Daltrey, not of Pete Townsend, no, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has declared it an emergency, and yes, out of the crypt, having recovered from COVID-19. A man who should have uh, done the right thing and retired. Oh, uh, Dr. Fauci said, you know, we may have to declare a national emergency. We may have to go into a 100 million older generation smallpox vaccines in order to be effective. And I'm saying to myself, well, okay, most of the crowd there at MetLife Stadium, they certainly weren't gay, they certainly weren't bisexual. The fans of Elton John tend to be heterosexual, although they may get a little freaky-deaky from time to time. But everything that's been put out for public consumption says that monkeypox is transferred between uh, gay men and bisexual men having sex. Now, they're, they're trying their best to say, oh, no, 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 you know, could jump from somebody's clothing. You could be sleeping in the bed that had been slept in by somebody with monkeypox and get it. And they say there are two cases that have affected children somewhere in the world. But let's face it, it still is spread by uh, homosexual and bisexual sex. And it's very difficult, very difficult for the authorities to say specifically that. We need to get these men vaccinated so that they're safe safe and secure from a disease that will not kill them. But, oh, my God, it'll definitely cause them itching and maybe even stitching, and it'll drive them crazy. And, in fact, it was on the minds of Dave Chappelle. Yes, Dave Chappelle showed up unannounced for Chris Rock and Ken Hart's uh, comedy tour that was in Madison Square Garden Saturday night. Nobody knew that Dave Chappelle was coming. Remember, he was fresh off the insult, the pimp slap down, by the cancel culture in Minneapolis that said, Dave Chappelle, stay out of Minneapolis. You are a transphobe. You are somebody who cannot be permitted to go up on stage and exercise your free speech. So they said, sorry, see you later, alligator. Don't let the door hit you from behind. So Dave Chappelle shows up in Madison Square Garden, and he was kicking it, dressed in a Nirvana T-shirt. Oh, that was classic, a Nirvana T-shirt. He was smoking cigarettes on the stage. I didn't know you could do that any longer, smoke cigarettes on the stage. But I guess Jimmy Dolan gave him uh, uh, exemption. And then he started riffing about the 23-year-old bisexual rapper who happened to be from Brooklyn originally, who tackled him on the stage with a weapon at L.A.'s Hollywood Bowl back in May. You remember that. And he started to attack his own—meaning Dave Chappelle verbally attacked his own security force— Because he was saying, I had all these bodyguards. They're wearing dress shoes on the job. All of a sudden, this nut job jumps up on the stage. And they're slipping and sliding all over the place like it was a bowling alley, which he was absolutely correct. They should have had on sneakers or flats or Timberland boots. They had none of that. But boy, once Dave Chappelle tackled that guy, you remember? They put the boots to the back of uh, his neck and the back of the Hollywood Bowl. But he was real fired up about his attacker, Isaiah Lee. And he said up on the stage, he said, I hope he gets monkeypox in jail. Not that he should die, but his ass should itch for four to six weeks. You think that's okay? Because we know nothing's going to happen in L.A. County with Isaiah Lee because of some. Oh, they'll probably give him a commendation or maybe even a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And speaking of stars, oh, my God, he is the modern-day Reverend Ike of our generation. Many of you remember Reverend Ike. He used to be on TV Channel 9 on Sundays. And Reverend Ike was uh, broadcasting from the Lowe's Theater up in Washington Heights along Broadway, about 179th, in the shadow of the George Washington Bridge. He was one of the first televangelists. And Reverend Ike, he was ostentatious. He was festooned with all kinds of garb. I'll call him the black Liberace of the 50s and 60s. We didn't know it at the time. Like Liberace, he was gay. He had a boy toy his entire life. But the thing he was best known for is he would get up on the stage and his broadcast would go around the country, mostly uh, elderly black women, but also some others would be watching because he was very entertaining. And people would say, Reverend, is it true that the devil is in the money? In the dollar bill, the $5 bill, at that time, you know, they had the $1,000 bill, the 100 bill. And he said, look, gather up all of those devils, that demonic uh, image that's in that money, send it to me, and I'll be more than happy to carry it and spend it. Because if you think the devil is in the money, well, then I'm going to be demonic. And people would send him tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, he was big time. He was all over the nation like many of the televangelists who exist now, although now they're very high-tech. Back then, it was low-budget. But we've got a competitor right in the neighborhood that I grew up in, right in Canarsie on Remsen Avenue or Foster Avenue. He is the pastor. That's the Rolls-Royce driving bishop, Lamar Whitehead. His church, the Church of What's Happening Now, or better known as Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries, I know many of you you don't go to that church. It's really not like Reverend Knight. But hey, he's got a lot of oh, a lot of money like Reverend Knight. The service was Sunday at eleven o'clock. And he was getting into his holy roller routine. Alleluia, alleluia, amen, amen. God is great, God is good. And the next thing you know, people were watching on the live stream, because naturally a lot of those who attend are elderly black women who are very loyal, very loyal to their pastors. In fact, they bequeath their wealth. They'll send whatever money they have in their pocket to sustain the work of the church. And he was going on and on, and everybody was watching on live stream. Some of the parishioners were there, even though it was hot and sweltering, but the AC was working. His wife was at his side. He was wearing a maroon outfit. And then also, all of a sudden, Lou, three homies come in, you know, with the mask on with their nine millimeters in the air like they just don't care, and they said, hey, halt, halt. Your money, your money, your valuables. And according to Bishop Lamore Whitehead, everybody was stripped of their valuables, his wife, him, the parishioners. In fact, he claims, he claims they took $400,000 in jewelry, including the fully solid long gold pendant and chain, and the rings on each finger that he had, solid gold. So he said it was four hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you know the background, as I know the background of Bishop Lamore Whitehead, he's quite the character. He's a piece of work. He's been a fixture in Brooklyn for a long time. Good friend of Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, in fact, was involved with him when he was uh, Brooklyn Borough President. And you may have known. He blew up on the media recently when he drove his Rolls Royce to the 5th Precinct, and he said he was waiting there for Abdullah Abdullah to turn himself in. You remember Abdullah? He was the guy who paced back and forth on the last car of the Q train when, uh, unbeknownst uh, to him, David Enriquez from Goldman Sachs was going to have brunch with his brother. By the time that train made it over the bridge to Canal Street, he had shot and killed David Enriquez. Everybody in that car had fled. Abdullah had fled. He was on the lam. And then all of a sudden, family friends, it figures if family friends would have gone to Bishop Lamore Whitehead and been part of his Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries, and they say, Bishop, we're going to convince Abdullah Abdullah to turn himself in, please. Could you bring him? Bring him in. Make sure that you turn him over to the police so they don't give him a beatdown. Well... He decided to pull out his celly, the bishop, and he called his very dear friend, Mayor Eric Adams. And so Eric Adams told him, bring him to the 5th precinct. We'll go live at 5 as you turn in Abdullah Abdullah, and I'll be there to receive him and put the cups on. So DT's got wind of this, detectives, and they said, no way. We're not going to let the mayor Bogart us. And we're not going to let this guy who looks like a pimp in the Rolls Royce actually transport Abdullah. So the cops undercover were outside legal aid. So Abdullah's upstairs, and legal aid is giving him his defense because they're representing him in criminal court, 100 uh, Center Street. They're saying, look, when you go to court, act like you can't remember anything. Act like President Joe Biden. Stumble and mumble, and maybe we can get you uh, an insanity defense, and you'll go to a psychiatric facility instead of upstate to a long-term, hardcore prison like Attica or Donna Mariah or anything like that, or Wendy Correctional or even Sing Sing. But the DTs interrupted that, and they grabbed Abdullah Abdullah, and they denied Eric Adams and the uh, Bishop Lamar Whitehead an opportunity to go live at 5, as Whitehead would have been turning over Abdullah to the mayor himself, who would have cuffed him. By the way, if you look in the background, uh, Bishop Lamore Whitehead, hmm, check out his rap sheets. Anyway, Lou, it's 50-50 so far with everybody I talked to. Dominic Carter last night, before uh, I turned over the microphone to him at 12 midnight, he said he thinks it was for the insurance money. It's a ruse. I actually know all the homies in that area, East Flatbush, Canarsie, and I'm thinking it might have been for real. But it's like 50-50, everybody I talked to. People are saying, don't be so naive. You, you really think three guys came in there, bum-rushed him at gunpoint, and robbed everybody in the church. Nowadays, hell yeah. It's like Escape from New York, Kirk Russell. You remember that film where all the bad guys were left in the five boroughs of the city of New York? Well, let's see what the outcome of this is. Meantime, on a broader scale, all across the nation, the mega-billionaires are flexing themselves. Let's go to the lead editorial in the Washington Post. And you know who this is, Amazon's Jeff Bezos. That's why they buy these newspapers and lose millions and millions of dollars. So they can control the editorial content. So if anybody tells you that it was the editorial staff of the Washington Post who wrote this, nah. All they did was act as stenographers. And Jeff Bezos dictated to them, the lead editorial today is going to be, don't run, Joe Biden, don't run meantime, Rupert Murdoch, who doesn't have quite as many billions as Jeff Bezos of Amazon, but has kept the New York Post alive. Let's face it, without Rupert Murdoch, the New York Post cannot survive. They lose upwards of a hundred million dollars a year, but he keeps them alive so that he has that editorial platform here. And remember, he also runs the Wall Street Journal. So in both newspapers, back to back, belly to belly, the uh, lead editorial was. Uh, Donald Trump you are unworthy to be president again don't run Trump don't run Trump and that's why they save these newspapers and that's why they buy these newspapers so they can control that editorial content in fact as much as I knew all the people over at the New York Post knew him for years back one time the publisher was the godfather of my son that you all know uh Anthony. didn't do any good as they all told me they said look Uh, When it comes to endorsing candidates and promoting ideas, uh, everybody goes to Rupert. Whatever Rupert wants, Rupert gets, because without Rupert Murdoch, we would not have a job. Now, I'm going to go to the crime blotter up next, Lou, but it's not going to be the crime blotter of New York City or Newark or any of our cities in the tri-state area that are out of control. I'm going to go to the Vatican first for the white-collar crime update. And then I'm going to go to a city that can compete with New York. Naples, all you Napolitanos, the little Vespa crews who ride around and rob you. Oh, wait till you hear this story on your Lunchtime Edition with Curtis Lee. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oh, la oh, oh. Ah, this sounds like. He recently departed Bobby Rydell from Philadelphia, right? Was this Bobby Rydell or was this... Uh, oh, Dino, Dino Martin from uh, uh, from Steubenville, Ohio. That's where uh, Jimmy the Greek came from. But, you know, Bobby Rydell did his own Volari. Remember, he ran at that time with uh, Fabian. And there was one other, the three horsemen of Philadelphia. I'll, I'll let you torture yourself with that uh, little fact of trivia. But the reason I'm playing Volante here, because he used to play in my household all the time when I was growing up in Canarsie. Uh, If it wasn't my mother, my grandfather, Fidela Bianchino, my grandmother, Nicoletta Bianchino, was my aunts and uncles who would come over for a visit and, you know, they would never leave. You know what it's like in an Italian-American household. But I'm playing it because it's white-collar crime. Oh, there's white-collar crime. And it's in the Vatican, and we've known that for years and years and years. Remember, the Vatican is an independent and autonomous nation-state. If any of you have visited, it's right there in the middle of Italy, in the Roma. It's about one square mile, but they have their own government, they have the Swiss Guard, and they are corrupt right down to the marrow of their bone because there is the Vatican Bank. And they basically have been nothing but a money laundering organization for years and years. Not only the black hand, the mafia, La Cousin Nostra, but if you were nefarious and you couldn't wash your money in Swiss banks or Panamanian banks or off the Cayman Islands or in Dubai. You went to the Vatican Bank, and man, let me tell you something. They took like they took like twenty percent of it to wash it. You remember Scarface, Tony Montana? You remember he'd be bringing all the cash to the bankers in Miami, and they'd wash the cash for him, but they'd want a vig. Same thing with the Vatican Bank, except the stakes are higher. Pope Francis still in the wheelchair. Who should retire? Should follow in the footsteps of the old German Pope, uh, Pope Benedict, who did the right thing and retired has realized that there are hundreds of millions of dollars that have been stolen. So apparently there are about 13 people directly implicated, including the Cardinal that Father Francis, the Argentine Pope, put in charge. And uh, he's a little more streetwise than Pope Benedict was or even John Paul, because remember, he was a bouncer in Argentina in Buenos Aires. He actually uh, worshipped Che. Not J.C., but he loved J.C. But anyway, he knows that hundreds of millions of dollars are missing. So he's granted investigators the power to bug phones, intercept emails, and arrest anyone without approval from British judges. Ha! He's flexing. Now, let me tell you, uh, Vatican Bank, one of the most corrupt organizations that exist in the world. And that's saying a lot. If you understand how many corrupt organizations are there that will launder money for a price for a vic. Now, the reason we also play Volati, could I have a little Volati again, keep it very low, Lou? Because I know we tend to get very depressed when we see rising crime rates here in New York City. Nearby in Newark, Patterson, Camden, very upset. You see what's happening in Philadelphia, Body Bag City, Baltimore, and of course, Bridgeport, and other locations that are within listening uh, of this area. But if you go to Italy, and I know because I have seven Guardian Angel chapters in Italy. That's right, Italia. You go to Naples, and it's crime central. In fact, that's where a lot of the young cougines, whether they were born and raised and hatched there, or they're part of the wave of illegal aliens who have flooded in to Italy from the boot right on up to the border... With Austria and Hungary, Tristan and Trent. Uh, they come from Somalia, they come from Eritrea, they come from the Balkans. Uh, they want to make their bones and possibly earn their way into uh, sort of a, a nefarious uh, status. They may not quite be employed by the mafia there in Naples, which is stronger than almost anywhere else except in Sicilia, where you have the cheeches and zips. But the standard there, and it's been for many, many years, many of you know that when you visited there, the guys, they ride around on Vespers. So you have the driver, and then you have the gunman in the back. And they'll come up to you, and they'll snatch pocketbooks. That's what they used to do. They do it in Rome. They do it in other places. But they have perfected the snatch of the bags and robbing you at gunpoint in Naples. And they did exactly that the other night to a Swiss tourist. A Swiss tourist was at Piazza Triste Trento right in the heart of Naples, which is a Muggers Delight. They roll up on the Swiss guy, and he's got a watch on, and they think it's worth about $300,000 because they checked Instagram. Yeah, they do that there, too. You know, people style and profile their watches. It turns out it was a fake watch, and they realized that as they were trying to sell it in the streets. It's a fugazi. So you know what they did, Lou? They got back on the Vespa. They brought it back. He's sitting there, the Swiss guy. It's like, hey, you know, it's part of the process. You go to Naples, you expect to get ripped off. And they said, hey, senor, excuse, excuse. And then they go on to explain him. Because, you know, the Swiss, they speak German. They uh, speak swiss uh, They speak French. They speak Italian. They speak everything because everybody goes to Switzerland to launder their money there in the Swiss banks. And they apologize to him profusely because they know in Naples... Everywhere you go because of all the theft, all the robberies, they're all on CCTV. I mean, that place is wired up like London is. You can't do anything without being on TV. And they know that if you return what you stole, particularly if it's a fugazi, there's almost no punishment involved. So they wanted to be seen on camera. And, you know, the Swiss guy, he never lost a beat. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. And they rode off. They rode off into the darkness. So they have droves of these thugs on scooters who make life miserable for residents and tourists. And they've been doing this in Naples for many, many years. Now, let me give you the profile of them. They're using a pistol at the age of 13, 14. What does that sound like, Lou? Riding around on Vespas, the age of 13 or 14, using pistols, wearing a mask. The guy who did this knew how to use it. He even pointed it at the head of the Swiss tourists because they want you to fear them, you know, that they're going to do a headshot on you. That's why a lot of these young guys are Albanians. They're very proficient at headshots. They've grown up doing headshots across the Adriatic Sea. So they're all trying to make their bones to join the local mafia organization. And they steal all the time. But (laughs) when you go to Naples, it's expected. It was never expected in New York City. Certainly not when Michael Mbaricic was Mayor Rudy Giuliani. You didn't even dare try to do that on a motorcycle or an e-bike or anything else. You know, you have a dri- the driver, and then in the back you got the gunman. Well, check this out. On the same day, this is happening in Naples, and that happens on a regular basis. You know, they have the uh, uh, the uh, state police there. Uh, that try to track these guys down because you can't trust the uh, local police because they're all on the take. The NYPD is seeking help from all of us in tracking down scooter-riding robbers who have struck 15 times. It's the same, too, on the scooter. And let me give you an idea. From June 17th to July 4th, they have struck 15 times. They display a firearm. They simulate a firearm or verbally threaten you and tell you it's your money or your life. Or they grab the victim's property before speeding off. We're talking mostly cell phones and wallets. The robbers have targeted the confines of, check this out, the 44th, 48th precincts in the Bronx and the 33rd and 34th precincts in Washington Heights and Inwood. And, yep, in uh, crime-crazy New York City where Eric Adams, uh, the swagger man, has no plan. If you get on a, quote, Vespa scooter motorcycle with a partner on the back who's got a Thule or a fake gun, Nothing's going to happen to you. Nothing. By the way, survey by the MTA, Money Taking Agency, indicates that safety is the number one concern of subway riders. The reason so few are riding is because they fear being mugged or running across homeless or emotionally disturbed persons. The other factor is, is that 30% of those who are actually taking the subways now don't even pay their fare. Why? You know, it's like the Irish sweepstakes. It's learned behavior. If you see somebody else going under the turnstile, over the turnstile, through the doors, the emergency doors, doesn't matter. Nothing gets done. And so crime is the number one problem in the city. It's what's devastated the central part of Manhattan. In fact, the mayor was going no mas, no mas last week. He was saying that possibly central Manhattan will not return to its business prominence that was anticipated each and every day of a workday before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. But riding to the rescue are billionaires and zillionaires, because you know what just happened over the weekend, Lou? The idea of having two brand new casinos in New York City, Eric Adams has said because Kathy, Crimewave Wave, Holcomb, and the supermajority in the set, State Senate and in the State Assembly have okayed additional casinos, full casinos. We're not talking the casinos that already exist in Aqueduct, the casino that exists at the Yonkers Racetrack in Westchester. No, no. Full-scale casinos with board games. I know of two people here at WABC. If they do that, we better watch out. Sid Rosenberg in the morning. Forget about it. He, 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 will he be here? And Frank Morano, the uh, uh, gambling, he's a, a, a degenerate when it comes to gambling, who would would live in the Borgata in Atlantic City, but is too far away. Can you imagine the first place they're suggesting Lua Casino in Times Square? Times Square, so Stephen Green, who owns this massive real estate empire. By the way, he is the brother of Mark Green. Thank God we never elected him as U.S. senator, attorney general, congressman, and mayor. Yeah, the guy who perpetually ran for office. His brother, Steve Green, who used to run Air America. Remember the liberal progressive network that folded and collapsed? He single-handedly funded that. He's extraordinarily liberal and progressive like his brother, they want to build a casino right in Times Square. But there are other players who are at it. At the Hudson Yards. Now, keep keep a scorecard here because a lot of these names sound very similar. You have Steve Ross. You know, he owns the Miami Dolphins. He owns uh, Cycle, all those places. He's a gazillionaire over and over. Held that big fundraiser years ago for the re-election of President Donald Trump out in the Hamptons. And a lot of people say, I'll never go to Cycle or Equinox again. They did. They eventually returned. This guy is swimming in dough. But let's face it, the Hudson Yards, you go to the west side over by the Jacob Javits Convention on 34th Street, last stop of the 7 train, it's a ghost town. It's catacombs. Uh, You might as well put mausoleums in those empty buildings, many of them that have yet to be completed, or just turn them into storage units. So Stephen Ross is putting up millions of his dollars, and he's saying, hey, put the full-scale casino right here in the Hudson Yards. I'll underwrite it. And he's starting the wine and pocket line, our elected officials who have their beak in the trough. Kathy Crimewave Wave Hochul, oh, by the way, she was out of town on Friday and Saturday, wouldn't say where she was. I figured it out. California, she was uh, raking in escarole. From the healthcare industry down in Irvine in Los Angeles. And apparently she was up in Napa Valley sampling, uh, the latest wine products from with Nancy Pelosi and her husband. Let's hope that the husband didn't offer to drive it to the airport when she came back to New York. But anyway, she's waking in dough. So Steve Ross wants the new casino in the Hudson Yards. He's contributing. And, you know, he's going to contribute to Eric Adams, who has assigned his chief of staff, Frank Caron, to this to sort out who would be the best participant. Then you have they have this brand new complex that they're going to build. I don't know why. Penn Station. All these brand new office buildings. I don't know who's going to end up working there, but that's Steve Roth. He's a billionaire in his own right. He owns Vornado and he's contributed mightily to Kathy Crime Wave Hochul. So he's hoping that his bid is the one best received. So you have three bids right there just in Midtown in New York City, which I'm telling you, Lou, if they pick any one of the three, I don't know what Sid Rosenberg and Frank Morano are going to do because they're going to end up being the casinos and not here. Now that's three. Now four, the fourth bidder is the guy you love, Lou, who should have gone to jail for insider trading information, but he saved the net from the Ponzi, Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen is whining, dining, and pocket lining Governor Hochul and Eric Adams and saying, hey, we got junkyards here. We got chop shops. Put a casino right here, right along the Van Wick Expressway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'll put up the money for it. And then lastly... We have our own operator and owner and talk show host in his own right, John Katz who is saying, Bring a casino to Coney Island. Do you know the one place that I don't see that would have been maybe a perfect location, Lou? Not the Irish Riviera, too many sharks out there now. Uh, but Far Rockaway. Far Rockaway from about Beach 40th Street, right over to Bayswater before you hit Five Towns. There's nothing there. It's been abandoned for years. In the age of crack cocaine, they burnt out all those bungalows that Jewish families used to vacation in in the summer. Okay, they got some projects there, Redfern, Auburn, Edgemere. Well, they changed the name to Ocean Bay, thinking they could change the problem. Psych, they didn't. But that might be a perfect destination. Hey, man, that's a real beach there with the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, you're not talking Atlantic City with that fake beach there. So it's all up for grabs. But I have a feeling when all is said and done, This is going to remind me of the bidding that went on to put the Racino in Aqueduct to begin with, with my, uh, uh, the uh, stepfather of my son, Anthony. Remember Governor Patterson at that time? Floyd Flake. Eric Adams, who was in the state Senate. Oh, yeah, John Sampson. And there was the guy who eventually went to jail big time. Malcolm Wilson. They almost all went to jail on that. And that was just for the Racino. Think of the temptation here with billions and billions and billions of dollars at stake to put your beak in the the trough of corruption. And who's going to oversee all of this to make sure that everybody makes the right decision, which is best for you, the taxpayers, best for the city, and not best for the politicians? Nobody. Nobody. He knows New York. He is. New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, Lou. It was quiet at Medlife Stadium. Bye-bye, Elton John. No more here in New York. Saturday night, Sunday night. Packed house. But, oh, it was so different. At the North Dakota State Fair. 18,000. Maniacs waiting for Kid Rock to come on stage, knowing he's no longer with Pam Anderson. It didn't matter. They had a Miller High Life in one hand, a Coors Beer in the other hand. And they waited, and they waited. And the North Dakota State Police said, no, 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 It's lightning. There's lightning. we we got to clear it out. Kid Rock, you can't go out on the stage. So the head of the State Police goes out on the stage. He says, hey, all you Kid Rock Maniac fans. You're going to have to disperse. There'll be no concert tonight. And they had a riot. They tore up the stage. They were throwing Miller High Life at the stage. Full cans. You know, that that's a real riot. When they don't drink the beer first or they drink it halfway. Full cans of Miller High Life and Cores on the stage. The state police had to had to actually retreat. And then they said to Kid Rock, they said, Kid, would you go out on the stage and tell them to stop? I said, are you crazy? They'll kill me. You stop the concert, you deal with them. And then he went in the RV, he's off to his next concert. It sort of reminds me a little bit because he's a big trumper. Saw him recently with Tucker Carlson. He was dropping the F-bomb like every second. It's like when uh, the president then was told, hey, say something to your supporters as they're flooding into the Capitol. And he didn't. (laughs) Until it was too late. But that's Kid Rock. Meantime, he is on the far, far right. I think we can agree he is, he is a conservative on the right. Definitely not a holy roller, Kid Rock. Still mourning the loss of Pamela Anderson to Julian Assange at WikiLeaks. That geek. You know, he's in solitary confinement, you know, in the Tower of London, waiting to be extradited back to the United States. He'll end up doing triple life without parole in Leavenworth after Hillary Rodham Clinton gets finished with him. But, on the other side of the border, in Toronto, I guess they must have been fully vaccinated. The return of Rage Against the Machine, right? Rage Against the Machine couldn't be any more different than Kid Rock and his audience. I mean, they're hardcore. You can call them communists. Definitely the lead guitarist, Tom Moriello. The lead singer, Zach de La Rocha. I mean, they are to the far, far left, radicalized. Some may even say anarchists, communist, socialist. So they're doing their concert. They're up on the stage. And some, this one guy jumps up on the stage, pretty much like we discussed earlier when Dave Chappelle was talking about that crazy who jumped on the stage at the Hollywood Bowl that his uh, security had to end up putting the boots into the back of his neck, and then he was released with no charges by the disgraced uh, DA of L.A. County, Garcon. So this guy gets up on the stage. He's running in the direction of uh, the uh, lead guitarist Tom Morello, and the guard, instead of getting the guy who's going to try to take down Tom Morello, he tackles Tom Morello, and Morello falls off the stage. And he cracked crack ribs, broken shoulder. So Zach De la Rocha stops the concert and says, You grabbed the wrong guy. You, you grabbed our guy. And everybody is going crazy on the far, 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 far left. Meantime, uh, this is not a concert next Saturday. But it is a gathering where I guarantee you there will be no violence because the NYPD will be there. Where am I talking about? Get your pads and pens because we're giving out free tickets here at WABC. Co-owners of the uh, of the uh, Staten Island Ferry Hawks, right there on the North Shore next to the Staten Island Ferry, the Speed Ferry, is our own John and Margot Katzametidis, and the Ferry Hawks on Saturday night will be playing the Lancaster. So, remember, in Lancaster, it's the Amish by day. They put up uh, barns, and they bake cakes, and they sell cakes. And then they're going to get into their horse-drawn carriages with the little triangles on the back in orange. And they're going to find their way to Ferryhawks Stadium to play the uh, Ferryhawks, who are doing quite well. In fact, they have the only woman playing Major League Baseball at any level. She's a pitcher, and she's an outfielder. So, please, we're going to give two tickets away Two tickets away if you're the seventh caller at one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two, 848 9222 That's 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, you could qualify and be selected randomly to be the first base coach because before the main game, it's an exhibition game. Yes, involving the WABC host and hostesses the people you listen to each and every day, and the people you hear about but you've never seen before, we're all going to be out there. I'll be out there, too, even though I'm between shifts there on Saturday on the radio where it's always broadcasting. Curtis, Nancy, my wife, will be out there. John and Margot Katz, and Matitas. I mean, everybody you know will be out there. And we'll be playing an all-star team of the NYPD. So you have a great opportunity to enjoy something for free. Free. Remember, you've got to be the seventh caller, though at 1-800-848-9222. So win, lose, or draw, whether the WABC All-Stars win or lose against the NYPD, whether the Ferry Hawks are able to beat the Lancaster Barnstormers, at the very end of the proceedings will be the post game fireworks extravaganza. Now, it's not like going to be like uh, July 4th, Macy's, you know, over the East River, but it's going to be great. And it's just another thing we're doing for all of you. A hell of a lot better than what Bruce Springsteen, right, working-class hero is doing for all of his fans, now that the E Street Band is going back on tour, socking it to you, sucker fans. $5,000, 4000 for floor seats, and $1,000 in the nosebleed section through Ticketmaster. And I guarantee you, in the middle of that crowd, wherever this concert goes, will be Shabu El Hefe. Chris Christie, who's like a human piñata, who's like a masochist. Please, Bruce, pay some attention. I'll travel anywhere in the world to see you. Working class hero, my ass. Go ahead. Waste your money on boss.